1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: In this podcast, we the win against Reading, celebrate was record, and look ahead to Swansea. This is the More Breakdown Podcast, and this is our Boring Matchday Chatter in a pod. Support
0: Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the trap.
3: Coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Ravenelli spots out Emerson!
2: Oh, and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana, and Tom. We're the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast and this podcast has been about numbers over the last few weeks so I'm going to give you a little bit more so five star borer a record-breaking tuba a thousand goals at the riverside seven home wins in a row and four points off the automatic places the feel good factor is back on side, but not if you are tom this morning who had another day in hospitality <laughs> absolutely loves it I mean tom you had my life last week saying I was at a sparkling water factory and, and I mean I wish I was because I'd have been amazing um, But, you know, I've got you back this week. But anyway, uh, Tom, apart from, you know, another day in hospitality, how are you
4: feeling about Bora at the moment? Well, I'm pretty sure that'll be the last one until the end of the season. So uh, <laughs> back, back to the northeast corner from from uh, next time. But um, not really happy with Borough at the moment. I, I was a, a little bit... Disappointed last week with the with the loss at West Brom. I mean, who wouldn't be. enough like to see your team lo- lose games, and I, I just thought you know we were absolutely corbyn in that game. Um, you know, he, he seems to always do a number of honors on unless it's that game where uh, Watmore scored at, uh, away at Huddersfield. But um, I mean, we always seem to to bounce back really well. Um, I was reading early. We've not actually lost consecutive games under Carrick. It's always one loss, and then we'll bounce back with like a significant win in the next the next match. So really happy to to see that, and uh, almost ne- like really happy to see my prediction from last week nearly come in because it was four nil for a spell, and I was like, how have I even done this? And then we scored again. So I knew it would be a big win. I just didn't like underestimated it clearly.
2: I mean, there's a couple of predictions that I could mention, but I'm not going to. Um, but if if people want to listen back to what Tom said about Chewbacca at the start of the season, um, and a particular <laughs> ink that may have gone his skin, um, that could happen. I <laughs> um, didn't mention it. didn't mention it. Um, anyway, Dan, how are you feeling about Bor at the moment?
5: oddly very normal Uh, and that's a a, a really good thing because I think confidence has become commonplace in the fan base and certain deprecating narratives that I used to really push and and hone in have become fallacies with this team you know we can't we don't score enough we don't create enough you know we never score one-on-ones we'll never have a 20 goal a season striker you know we've we've got that all you know we're very creative we score one-on-ones we don't struggle to score goals and we are creative so it's just yeah they've all been dispelled and and I'm really really happy for that because I think this Middlesbrough team basically is is everything that I've really hoped for um, in my fandom supporting Middlesbrough so you can honestly have no complaints it's just we're riding the crest of of a really joyous wave at the moment and I hope that that continues until the end of the season.
2: Mm. Yeah, and and how I'm feeling. Everyone knows how I'm feeling. We're going sizzler. Um, we're I think we've already re- gone sizzler. We, we've gone. We've just sizzled right to the top. You know, um, it's been it's been unreal for like the last last few weeks. And I know we 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 lost against West Brom, and I'm glad I wasn't on the podcast and I was at the sparkling water factory um, since in celebrating that instead. But it was a, a really good performance yesterday, wasn't it? And I thought Reading were poor at, at most parts in the game, but. The more you look at the game and you know the way that we were dissecting, the way we look at like the platforms to kind of like watch the game back to see if we can pinpoint stuff, Borough were just really, really good. Um, and it's just so exciting to see Borough side play the way we're playing, look so dominant, look so fluid, look so comfortable on the ball. And it's just mint. I've never, ever seen out like it as a, a Borough support. And I'm going to embrace it and enjoy every moment of it because it's just unheard of. And you never know, carrot could go one day and it'd just be all fall apart and I won't have savored it so I'm going to savour this and enjoy it because we've been really good we are still really good and you can't define one defeat uh, one defeat the fan season because it won't because we've just come back every time but in terms of like where we are now and last week it was a case of the automacs max are over at seven points again um then this weekend you know it's back down to four um, the unpredictability of the championship is just a is a fantastic thing to see. But um do you think the automatics are on? I appreciate Sheffield or I have to go to Redden to have their game in hand, but they have got some difficult fixtures. So Dana, what do you think? Are the are the automatics on? I'm gonna keep coming back to that because I feel like I keep asking you that question, but is it on though? <laughs>
5: I think it is, I really do I mean I watched a little bit of their game Against Blackburn, uh, the early kickoff Yesterday and they just, and I think Heckebottom said this afterwards after he kicked A scoreboard again probably, that they Just weren't playing with their Usual verve and and um, You know they weren't playing with the quickness And the tempo that they usually do so potentially They are faltering a little bit Now if I look at the running Obviously there's there's been a lot spoken about The difficulty of Sheffield United's running Do not discount Reading, I know we're going to talk Talk about how poor they were yesterday, but at home, their form is significantly better than when they're on their travels. You know, two point six points per game at home, Reading are averaging this season, uh, compared to Chef United's one point six five away. So, in terms of PPD. That's not as cut and dry as people are are expecting, or maybe expecting it to be. But the average uh, PPG of the opponents that Sheffield United face in the running, 1.46. For ourselves, it's 1.45. So very close. They are starting to crack a little bit. And I know they've got a couple of injuries, well, quite a few injuries. And they've got an extra game against Blackburn in the Cup. So... You never know. That there's a lot riding on that game in hand. I always feel like whenever people say, Oh, yeah, well, we've got that game in hand, it's it's complacency because I remember our games in hand in the promotion season, one against Reading, I believe, the the Adam Forshaw game was difficult. So it's it's always one of those narratives that people try to bend in their favour, but it's it's definitely not over. And even if they do win on Tuesday, I still think that Borough can can really, really challenge them because the majority of the rest of our games are at home, um, albeit uh, by one, but we're very, very good at home. So I think that's what what's in our favor. What will probably, uh, what it probably hinges on is our away form, which it, I think does probably need to be improved just because I think it's really fine margins in this battle for seconds. So I think we need to improve away from home, but yeah, I'd, I'd be confident. I would. I'd be confident that we could do it.
2: Mm. Tom, how are you feeling about it? Do you think that it's on?
4: I think it could be, yeah. I was, uh, I was reading a tweet earlier this morning um, saying there's still 33 points left to play for. Um, it's 36. If you're, if you're Sheffield United and you got that game in hand. Um, interesting point that has just made there about Redden's home form. And I think especially after being battered 5-0 by the Mighty Borough yesterday, there might be some sort of... Um, uh, some sort of reaction from that in the Redden players. Uh, I, I would think, especially Paulins would would be trying to get them fired up. You know, judging on uh, his post match reaction to to yesterday, which was uh, quite fiery for himself. So, you know, Redden might be uh, fired up for for that game and 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 you know, eager to make sure they don't have the same kind of result again. Sheffield United are faltering a little bit and to be honest, I just want it to be interesting at the end of the season. I'd love it if it could go down to the last couple of games and at least, you know, we, we be in with a, a chance for us for but, you know, I, I think if Reading beat Sheffield United I'll get a draw on Tuesday I'm going to really, really start to believe because, you know, it's going to be a four or maximum five points gap in that scenario so yeah we've, we've uh it's, it's what only two games to go until we can overtake them so it it is still a realistic possibility I'd say
2: yeah and if you want to like look at probably history of the championship and and last season particularly in particular, Nottingham I think it was Nottingham Forest uh, were 12 points behind Bournemouth and it they took them to the very last game and you know they went winning a crazy winning streak you know Bournemouth were faltering and you know, they were managed by Scott Parker. I mean, not surprised, um, the <laughs> fault, to be honest. But it's a, it's a case of it's never over until those 46 games done, is it? And I think Middlesbrough have a really good opportunity to to go for the automatics. And if we don't, then it's fine. But what we are doing, and you can't count on Blackburn, either they're playing really well at the moment, but you just can't count us out at the moment. I think just the way we're playing, the amount of goals we're scoring and the way that we're creating plenty of chances and being like having a lot of stability in defence, it's it's kind of like going and going one way at the moment. But, you know, I've just mocked us completely and that's going to are going to win a game for the rest of the season. But What,
5: what I would say, though, Johnny, is it's, it's testament to Carrick that we're even talking about this. Because, yeah. yes, you know, prior to the season kicking off, people probably would have earmarked Middlesbrough as title challengers, but it just never materialised that way under Chris Wilder. And we had to make up a, a decent bit of ground. But... Such is the nature of the championship, we find ourselves in a position where it is a genuine possibility. And as you said, the way that we're playing, it only it feels like we're only going one way, but but you never know. You never know with Borough, you know, talking about some of those deprecating narratives. That there is always one, and it's the typical boringness of of this club. But I, I tell you what, if we get top two, that would be absolutely brilliant. It really, really would. But it's a bonus. For me, it's it's a bonus if we can cement our place in the top six. Then I would love it because I do want that Wembley redemption. I am not over, mm. and I'm sure you're not as well, Johnny. Daniel Ayala, Cruyff turning yeah, near his this. own box and going 2 0 down within 20 minutes. You know, watching Cameron Jerome shush the Borough fans right in mm. front of me really like leaves a sour taste in the mouth. So I would like that redemption, please.
2: Yeah, Danny, no, Danny, Danny. <laughs> No, don't do, right. it, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't. Why turn it? No, it's one nil. Ah, thanks, thanks, Danny. <laughs> um, who's injured at the moment for for Blackburn? Um, and again, <laughs> uh, mm. at this time of the year, so I hope he's enjoying sunny Spain. Um, but anyway, um, we're back back to Bor and, and how we're and playing and just doing what you were saying there on how we've improved. Obviously, a player who's continued to improve throughout the season. Cheer and he broke the thirty-three-year-old. Uh, records uh, set by Bernie Slaven and unlocked the Cleveland centre and sensation um, stall and you know he's only he feels and there's a lovely stat that if he keeps going the way he's going he's going to end on um on 31 goals this season but I'll ask you how how many you think you'll get but if he keeps going at the same rate it's 30 to 31 it's like 30.5 so I mean. If he scores a half goal, then it'd be bang on. But I don't think you can do that. Might if an assist, maybe give it an assist, we'll do that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, what do you think impresses the most about Chuba, and why do you think it's just it just came from absolutely nowhere and just went on this huge redemption arc because it's just amazing. I, I cannot believe that. We've got a football who's scored twenty league goals in a season. I never thought I'd see the day, you know. Um, favorite drinker in we'll never see it ever <laughs> again.
4: Um, but Tom, what's it? What has impressed you the most about about Tuba? Man, I can't narrow down just one thing that has impressed <laughs> me the most about him. Um, just just everything really. Um, I remember obviously we went to go see the Marseille uh season game right before. Uh, you know, week before the season started and he came off the bench in that and he looked a completely different player then and he's just gone from strength to strength during the season and bearing in mind my overriding memory, memories of Chuba uh, were during the COVID seasons um, and him like, you know, missing from six yards out Missing a one-on-one from twelve yards out and stuff like that. We've spoke about that on the pod before. I do wonder if the not having any fans in the stadium might have had some sort of impact there. But that's also not to take away from the the hard work that he's clearly put in this year. He's talked about himself the the amount of kind of like research and study he's done on other players like Ryan Giles to make sure he's in the right position and. You know, really, really buying into the tactical style under Michael Carrick and when he gets the ball, knowing where everyone's going to be. I just, um, yeah, the, there's no way to kind of narrow down just one thing about this year because he's came back after his loan spell a completely different player um, and, you know, absolutely leagues above what, what I can remember from him. Mm-hmm. Don't know, what,
2: what do you think what's what's impressive but also how many do you think he'll end up on um
5: yeah I, you know what I can't stop smiling because this is just everything that I think we've we've always wanted from Boris striker and I agree with Tom. it's it's literally everything it's not just his goal scoring but it's his overall game you know he's playing as a you know, basically a number 10 and not a creative one but you know he's, he's scoring from from really good Positions. He's still getting himself into the box. He's still poaching. And he's just, his all round game is just very, very, very good. 15 goals at home, six away, <clears throat> excuse me, averaging a goal every 99 minutes under Carrick top scorer in the championship by four goals. There's just a whole list of things that you can say about Akpom. His technical ability, as I've mentioned before, you know, taking them all in deep positions, trapping it, turning the, the burst of pace. His intelligence as well. You know, I mentioned this on BBC Tees yesterday when me and Mado were talking about um, Akpom because he's not playing as a number nine, he has to sort of adjust his game uh, to suit his teammates because he is the the main core uh, at, at times when Borough are maybe struggling to progress the play from defence through midfield to attack. He's the one that will come and drop deep into those pockets of space. And as I said, trap the ball, turn and go. And, Honestly, there was a point yesterday where he did that and Keith Stroud got in the way and he was fuming. And I love that moment because, you know, people that have listened to this podcast for a while will know that I've always said that Keith Stroud is the final boss of all inept referees in this division. And he hit, he was hating Keith Stroud yesterday. So that's one little novelty thing that I loved. But honestly, and his humility as well, his post-match interview with BBC Tees was fantastic. Um, he started it with high guys. I just love him. I really do. I love him. And yeah, erect that little display just outside Superdrug in the Cleveland center, because he's got to sell all sorts of books.
2: He'll sell it all. Absolutely sell it all. And you know, all of his goals as well um, have just, you know, helped or accumulate 43 goals in, in 20 games uh, under Michael Carrick. And, you wanna, if you want context for that, you know we, we scored forty nine goals in forty six games uh, under under Tony Pulis in the eighteen nineteen season. and then the season after, when um, we actually beat that um, and scored forty eight uh, in forty six games under Woodgate and Warlock. but I thought that was a bit harsh on on those because you know split season, all that kind of stuff, and also we had a way worse squad um under Woodgate than we did under Tony Pulis. But fun stats, we were starved of scoring uh, of scoring goals, but. We are now like the free-scorer in by the looks of it. Um, but then how, how do you think we've been able to find tune ourselves into into that mould? Because, you know, we're not used to seeing many goals at the Riverside. I think obviously the 1,000 goals now since the, the stadium opened, um, which I appreciate is a lot when you, when you think about it. But in terms of the last few years of, of where we've been and, and the management that we have, uh, managers that we've had, we haven't really been scoring many goals or creating too many chances, and it's always been an issue. Um, but how do you think Carrick's got that, that tune and just right and borough being able to become the free scorer in smoggies.
5: I think it's just embracing the new wave of football and trying to take risks and trying to take risks that complements the individuals to basically hone in on a really good collective unit as well. Because you see with Borough's shape when they're attacking, it's still we, we still maintain a good shape despite having obviously two wingers that will cut inside and roam into central areas because you'll have Tommy Smith and, and Ryan Giles bombing on as well. Everything's just really it's just clicking and I forgot to answer your question about how many goals uh Tuba will will land on because I was too busy purring over him but you know I think you did you say like 31 that he'll finish on if he keeps up his current goal scoring rate at
2: this at this current rate yeah yeah he'll end on well 30.5 was the exact Mm. number but you can round it up to 31 30 or 31
5: yeah I think I mean he's on 22 in all competitions now isn't he honestly he could he could get 30 um I don't know how many games we've got. We've got 11 games left of the season or something like that. Um, and as I said, the majority of those are at home and he's scored 15 of, of his goals at home this season. So, um, yeah, I think he could, uh, maybe 29, 30, maybe, um, barring any injuries, of course. But to answer your your initial question about, you know, how we've we become free, a free-scoring team, I think it's the individuals that really complement the style of play that that we are, that, that Carrick's implementing on this team and everything just clicking together um, it's just fantastic to watch and a massive credit to Carrick for that because certain parts of the team like Akpom in that deep position uh, like Riley McGree in that sort of roaming role and the same with uh, Aaron Ramsey on the other side he has seen these things he's implemented them and they have paid dividends so hats off to Carrick for that as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Tom, what do you think as well? Obviously, on the, on the pitch, we're, we're more fine tuned, but off the pitch as well. You know, how do you think we're, Carrick's taken these players to another level and a level that we've probably never seen before?
4: To be honest, I'm I'm not sure. I've been questioning that myself. I mean, the big question for me is what was Chris Wilder doing in the first you know (laughs) ten games or so of the season to to get those players playing so badly? Considering we were going into the season as as you know favorites for promotion contention, and you know he had us in the bottom three. Then Carrick had to come in, pick the team up, um, and 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 kind of coach this this style into them, which I don't. I don't want to take away from the, the work that Carrick and the coach and staff have done, but I think the team was built to play like a decent technical, possession-based style of football, um, and I think we just needed the right man in charge to to coach that. Um, which obviously at the the start of the season wasn't Wilder, uh, you know. However, well he did do for us when he first came in, um, so he, he's had to do that. And I think it's it's a real kind of. Um, uh, what's a, what's the a word I'm looking for here? It, it, it's it's to do with mentality as well. I think something I have noticed from a lot of um, Carrick's press conferences, when he's being asked about the table, uh, what you think this game means and stuff like that, it's always just we just move on to the next game. We take it one game at a time. It's it's a very boring answer. I, f- I think you listen to the press <laughs> conferences and you're just like, ah, oh, say something else. And but the, the 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 thing is, it, it does remind me of of more successful times anyway. This might not be correct. It's just kind of coming off the top of my head, but I feel like Karanka was similar before he had his kind of... Jose Mourinho, Regen, turn towards the end of his uh, <laughs> end of Borough career. I'm pretty sure he was quite level-headed in the early days and it was very similar where it's just like you can only get that one answer out of him and it's, it's just going to be, that's the mentality. Uh, I, I do quite like that even though, let's say, it, it is quite boring to hear in uh, every press conference, but it's clearly the right way of looking at it and it's clearly working.
5: It reminds yeah. me of Grant Ledbert. Does it remind you of, of the way that Grant Ledbert always used to approach his interviews? It was very sort of dry, didn't let too much sort of become the headline. It was always, that's football.
2: That's football. Yeah.
5: And he was a great captain for us. So all these characters, and individuals sort of having that sort of uh, approach to the media and that calmness and clearly that influence is really, really positive.
2: Yeah, I used to love those like interviews we go. So Grant, you know you've just won five day. How do you feel, yeah, well that's football in it. You know you've, some, you've some. <laughs> think, Thanks for that, Grant. Uh, thank you very much uh, for that insight. Um, but I think in terms of like what you're both saying there and how he's how he's uh, fine tuned this this squad and, and making a little bit different. I think it's that relentless nature of us now of how yeah we are taking each game as it comes, but also if we are scoring, can we get another one? Can we get another one? Can we get another one? Like yesterday, you were we weren't happy. At four, and no, we wanted to get a fifth, and we weren't happy on fifth. I and mean, we wanted to get a sixth, and I think that in itself is a really good culture to have. I think on the pitch and also competition for places in terms of Marcus Force uh, yesterday. I know Chuba gave him the penalty, and I know Chuba wasn't particularly happy about it at the time, and you could kind of sense it, and you could see it. But he did give uh, Force the ball, and as soon as Force scored, it was like no celebration. Right halfway line, let's go again. Let's get another one. <laughs> and he wants to score again, and I think you you really want that from from teams and. For me, like I think when you when you have that, you do become a little bit robotic to some extent. But and they might not celebrate the wins as much. But for like, for for fans, celebrate that moment. But for a player, keep level, how to keep going again. Try and get yourself to the next level, and keep playing because the the mindset we've got in the team at the moment is really really strong, and we're doing some really good things. But then also the confidence side of things. Two teams on the pitch yesterday, one full of confidence, one that didn't have any. And you could sense it just the way the teams were playing, but also the way that Redden wanted to receive or didn't want to receive the ball. I and mean, there's just so many clips of it. If you if if you have time to rewatch the game, you just watch how Redden play because they just didn't want the ball at any points of the game, and you could really see that. Um, But whereas Borough, they were trying to move between the lines, Uh, Aaron Ramsey was fantastic, and we'll come on to that um, now. And we did get five uh, goals yesterday, it could have been six, it probably should have been six, um, given that Archer was offside. But fun stat about Redden at the moment is that 40% of the games have conceded two or more in the league, and 20% of games have conceded three or more. So they shipping away goals for fun at the minute, Paul Inside, side, and Borum made them Incemeat. Hey, Incemeat, not <laughs> um, Poor joke from me. You did not miss my crap jokes last week, did you? <laughs> did not miss them at all. Uh, but Dan what? how would you assess uh, the performance against Reading? Because it was just superb, right?
5: Yeah, and it was interesting because I wasn't really expecting that. I know Tom said 4-0, so he got the closest to to sort of figuring out that game before it started. But I genuinely thought that Reading would come to the riverside and and sit back and basically park the bus, sit in a really low block throw and basically try to contain us, frustrate us, nullify us. They were time-wasting, the goalkeeper was, but... It was just a very strange approach from Pauline's because they basically played into Borough's hands by not doing everything that I've just said. Like, surely the best form of um, approach to that game was to basically try to emulate what West Brom did to us, albeit, obviously, you know, West Brom were, were at home, Reading playing away. But it was just, it was very strange. But yeah, it was as comfortable a game as, as you're likely to see. Um, Reading had 0.14 xg which is terrible um they've actually upgraded that uh for mob from 0.13 xg but nothing in that first half which was just just terrible um but yeah we were we were dominant throughout um our combination play really really slick uh penetrating their defense um and just so good to watch again you know aaron ramsey was fantastic i will say that you know, my dad was wondering what he offered. He obviously didn't watch our lowdown video on Aaron Ramsey, but I think he Tf. saw... <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Dad. But he, he clearly saw what Aaron Ramsey can offer because I thought he was really quick. He was bright. He was picking up really good areas of the pitch to be able to initiate one-twos and given goals. Um And, you know, working between him and, and Riley, who, you know, obviously, Randy McGurie is playing on the right as well. Whenever they put on the pitch, they do tend to switch positions at times. It was just... Yeah, it was fantastic. The first time that we've scored five goals since we dispatched Peterborough in the Cup. And I went to that game and didn't see any of those goals because I left the game because I felt ill. And that was under Tony Pulis. So I pretty much missed every single goal under Tony Pulis. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah yeah you're very much right mm-hmm. but to be honest i mean that you have to save those moments under tony pulis because we were looking to get five shots never mind five goals so like, i Jesus couldn't Christ. even
5: save it because I, I just left <laughs> so i didn't even get to save it because i just didn't see any of those goals going. in but hey I mean, that's um I
2: mean, memories I mean, legend has it that you actually weren't a had enough of of Tony Peel's football (laughs) or Tony Peel's football made you feel ill. Um, Oh, yeah, it probably
5: did. Honestly, it probably did.
2: So we're just looking at the like the lights all the time. Do you know what I mean? Where like the ball was that high in the air, you have to look at the floodlights, and you're like, oh God, uh, this is...
5: I've just unlocked a core memory from this podcast where I think it was I think it was during the Tony Pulis era where I came on here and I said, I was so bored, I was trying to match the players' shirts together. So like whenever the maybe number eight would be beside another number eight, I was like, they're matching. That's how bored <laughs> I was during Tony Pulis. And look at us now, you know. No more corresponding shirts being picked out from the crowd. It's just enjoying it, sitting down like you're on Red Card Beach in the middle of the summer with a cigar in your mouth, thinking, we are really good.
2: And no one's sharing milk either. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tom, uh, in terms of uh, what Dan was mentioning there, about Bora being really good, is it a case of Bora were just amazing and Redden were just garbage? Or do you think it's a mixture of both? Because... It's, it's obviously when you look at a final score, you just go, well, they've absolutely swept them apart and they've been amazing. But there is obviously two sides to it, and Redden look quite crap as well. So, what do you think? Bora being really good or Redden being poor? I think it's both.
4: Um, yeah, I, I thought we, we we were absolutely outstanding yesterday, um as Dan has just said there, but. Also, Reading were horrendous. You could tell in the first five minutes exactly the way that that game was going to go. They couldn't get out their own half, and then when they did, they had Andy Carroll chasing down long balls, and he just had nothing to do for for most of the game. I, I do remember there, there were a couple of balls where they just went to either side of him, and he just didn't even bother. Like that, that just kind of summed up the uh, summed up the game for him. Really, he was. Uh, you know, I, I think because of his record against Spurrow, we can always go into games where we're playing uh, a team container, Andy Carroll, and think, oh, he's probably going to get one here. And he just never looked likely to yesterday. As Dana mentioned, a zero XG for, for Redden in the first half. Um, when it hit time at 2-0, I said to the other guys on the box, I was like, this is going to end up about 7-0, because that that's just the way things are going. They never looked likely to score and and we were just playing outstanding so uh, i I mean i'm I'm a little bit disappointed my 7-0 prediction didn't come off um (laughs) but none of my predictions did yesterday apparently so um but um yeah it it, it was just outstanding from us but i would say extremely poor from them
2: yeah and Paulin said that the game was defined in, in two key moments. Boris penalty, uh, which was a handball, but not a handball, but hand, a handball. Um <laughs> and then also Redden's penalty shout, which he said that was a potential red card for Smith. Um, I mean Keith Stroud was brutal yesterday and you know you know it's bad winner when, when when both teams think a referee's crap. Um but does he have a point at all, Tom? Do you think do you think there were the, the two key moments in the game that could have dictated it?
4: Watching it in real time, and bearing in mind I was in the west End, so like I was as far away from the handball incident as I could possibly be. Dana probably had a much better view of it than I did. I didn't think it was a penalty at the time, and then watching it back on replays, it he does stick his arm out away from his body at a bit of an unnatural angle, and um, it just had me thinking: if this was the Premier League, VAR was involved, that's probably a penalty. So I've got no no arguments with that one. The potential red card for Smith, I do, however, think we got away with. I think that was more of a penalty in a red card than the the one we won't mention from that dive and some sort at Sunderland. But um <laughs> <laughs> um it's just it, it balances out though, doesn't it? I, I think before the Sunderland game they had uh, a you know similar kind of situation go against them the week before, then they had a against us and then I was as balanced out here where we didn't get a uh you know penalty and a red card given. Um like I said I I, I did think we, we got away with it but deserve a bit of look after that Sunderland one.
2: Yeah and and to be honest about about Redden as well, like it it sounds ridiculous, but even if we had ten men I think we would have beat Redden yesterday. Um and it sounds um like quite a bold comment to say so but I'm really worried if, if I'm a and fan because, you know, obviously the uh, the, the points deduction that's come, that's incoming, that's that's like six points I think they're going to be getting. But they're a team that's short of confidence, I thought yesterday as well, that they were very easy to play against. The gap between the midfield and the defence was huge, which allowed Borough to, you know, to get pick up those pockets between the lines. And what really interests me about Borough, and now that I've, I've noticed it, I can't stop seeing it, is when our centre-backs get the ball in terms of Lenihan or Frye, um, or now if, if he was to play. Um, you'll see House and uh, Hackney they'll they'll come in um like a bit closer to um to the centre half and then you'll see like a McGree or Aaron Ramsey in this case. Um, they'll just move to the, the right or the left of House and, and Hackney uh, and they'll create like a space where between the lines. So all Bora have to do is once one player comes in the balls, the outlet is is just straight through because they're trying to they're bringing they're in so many players, and you know it would just create so much space between the midfield and the defense. And Borough have broke the lines. It's a very simple ball play, and it's just off the ball movement, which is just so good. Um, and Aaron Ramsey was really good at it yesterday, um, and we broke the lines time and time again. But in terms of reading, I mean, shape was okay individual errors was quite costly they're a team a lack of confidence um i think that if you're over the last few years of you know fighting for survival it does catch up and catch up on you eventually but for me they're a worry um they're a real worry and i would be maybe a bit concerned that relegation could potentially be a thing you know i think i think they're lucky that Blackpool and Huddersfield are pretty much dead and buried. Um, in my opinion. But you know, if they'll win but five games on the spin, they'll they'll be they'll be safe. Um <laughs> but now I said that, but I think the they're lucky there's three worst teams in Redmond at the moment because they've be, they were really, really poor yesterday. A side that just wasn't cohesive at all uh, from start to finish and Unfortunately, like if if that's if they if the, you watch know, they'll probably beat um, Sheffield United now on, on in the middle of the week at home with the with the points uh, they get at home, but concerning probably if I'm a Red fan, very concerned. Um, but then I want to chat about uh, Aaron Ramsey, and you know he was amazing yesterday, an absolute superstar. Um, he's, he looks like he's a player that is really coming into it now. Um, you know he's he's picking up, the, he's getting game time. He looks a bit more sharp. You know. He's fine in space. He's got that free roam ability now where it's not just McGree, it's Ramsey as well. And having two or three players in that position is so difficult to defend against because it pulls it calls chaos. You know, it's absolutely <laughs> chaotic. Um in his two goals yesterday, but how would you assess his like initial influence on the side?
5: Just really, really good. As I said, really, really bright. And I think he took his goals really well. It was his header that he then chased down for the first one, and he has so much time in that position. I honestly thought he was going to pass to McGree, and I thought, oh, God, get ready, this is going out for a throw-in. But just that that composure, really, really composed for such a young talent, and also the the his second goal as well was exactly the same. It's just real composure to pick his spot into the corner again, and it's another option for us that is a goal threat. You know, I think he'd scored... A few goals, three three or so goals for for Norwich, um, in his previous loan spell earlier this season. And it just it's just very good to have these options, Dawn, where there's we're not just relying on Chuba. Of course he is the main part of of goals for us, but it's not just him, you know, McGree's chipping in, Ramsey's chipping in now, Archer's had his little goal and probably will continue to I thought Archer played well, we'll get onto the praiser play soon, but you know, I think the goals will uh sort of continue for him. Um, And there's just a lot of other... In force as well, you know, there's just so many options in that squad um, to score goals. And it's great to see that Ramsey's another one because, as I said, pre-match, there was a few little questions around why isn't force starting... Um, it was probably more why he isn't Force starting than why is at, um, Ramsey starting, but it was vindicated. Um, it's just great that we've got this strength and depth now that we can play somebody like Aaron Ramsey and he can almost score a hat trick. You know, I think amongst the the narrative of Tuba, it's sort of maybe being forgotten a little bit that he was one off a hat trick as well. So yeah, it was just yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. My man of the match.
2: Yeah, like uh, he was, he was man as well. I thought he was really, really good yesterday. Um, and Tom, like, obviously with him coming to the side, do you think it gives us like a, a different dimension as well? Especially now, where you know, after the West Brom result, it was Middlesbrough being found out. You know, tactically, Carrick was naive; he needs to learn more. Um, all this kind of stuff that comes out from a defeat, and you know, the you know, the dramaticness of, of football. But do you think it's like Ramsey itself? It gives more another outlet, another dimension, and also another thing to. For other, for other teams to think about.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, first, I just want to add on to what Dana was saying about the the goal uh, threat being kind of spread around the team now. Daryl Lenahan I know you're watching or listening. Can you please <laughs> just head in a corner for me, please? Because I've bet on you for the last five games and you keep letting me down <laughs> my bet builders. So <laughs> we can do with uh, defence being added onto the goal threats as well. But um, no, I, I think it, it is uh, you know a, a di- different dimension as, as you mentioned there. What I did like yesterday is that that both Ramsey and McGree were kind of in that free role in, in attacking midfield, both consistently switching sides and, and and getting the space. And it's not something that we have with Force. I would I, I think he's, he's kind of more of a direct threat on on the right hand side, and as much as he's not a winger. Uh, I do think he's trying to um you know add not into that part of his game. You know, I love the step overs that he started just banging out now every week. Um <laughs> but he, he doesn't bring the same thing that that Ramsey does to the team uh where, like you say, you'd be able to kind of switch between him and McGree on sides of the field and both in that free roll. Uh yeah, free roaming uh role kind of picking picking up space. So it, it does give us a couple of different ways of playing, and I think that does contribute to the different um, goal threats being uh, spread around the team as well, uh, other than Dara, who needs to head one in from a corner. Please, <laughs> please, Dara, just score for Tom, please. I'm just He came this
5: somewhat up close up. yesterday, didn't he? I think he had one where... He's, I don't know whether he was sort of leaning back a little bit, but I was like, I said, "Come on, Dara," because like we're all sort of thinking it, aren't we? Like he's going to score a header at some point this season; it has to happen. But yeah, we'll we'll see when that comes about because he's been teasing it, but he's not yet delivered.
2: Playoff final, ninety third minute, or a one all. Daryl Lenahan <laughs> comes up trumps. Tom wins his bet. <laughs> I we'll be.
5: Um, be if, not, if
4: we get to the playoff final I'm not betting on us <laughs> I'm not jinxing <laughs> no, anything that day
5: no. yeah don't bet on the Bora.
4: but that'll be, no. that will be the one that he scores in when I don't bet on it though. it will be it yeah will stop
5: be. betting on it and then he, he, he might score if you stop bloody betting on it
4: yeah, you, you should. But yeah, well then I'm not going to make any money when he does. So, <laughs> <laughs> rocking a hard place. It's <laughs> <laughs>
2: very true. I mean, you, sh- you should never back the borough. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. an unwritten rule of life, I think. You know what I mean? Like, you should never do it. Never ever bet on the borough because he always but he boosts it. Like, that's like, no, I just, I just ruined everyone's coupon. I'm sick of it. Stop stop <laughs> it. If if, if anyone's betting on borough at the moment, stop it. Just stop it. Um, <laughs> unless you are betting on Middlesbrough and, you know, you started that run when Carrick took over, then fine. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's move on to The Praising Place because uh, The present Place is the place where i like to give praise to a player, coach and staff, fan... Um, Dana's lovely jumper that she's wearing. Uh Tom's lovely painting. Is it a painting, Tom, behind you? I don't really know, but I can see a Pikachu. Uh so I'm gonna say <laughs> Tom's Pikachu uh for, for that one. And you know, and for maybe Fernando Alonso for his amazing drive in the Aston Martin. Um there you go, F1 reference. I knew you like that, Tom. Anyway, praise and place. Uh who gets your place this week? Uh Dana Malt, who gets your place in the present place?
5: I'm going to go with Cameron Archer because although he didn't score yesterday, he did, when I looked into the stats, he was really influential in the actual, uh, the game and some of the goals that we scored. Uh, Five shot creating actions yesterday, the most in the game. Uh, two goal-creating actions. He held the ball up against uh, Andy Yadom and released Ramsey in the build-up to the first penalty. And then he played a really good ball over the top for Giles for the third goal. And that particular pass type was really important because Giles was able to uh, cushion that cross into... Um, Aaron Ramsey and it's just a shame he didn't score I know Chuba said in his post-match interview with BBC Tees that he was trying to look for for Archer to feed him through and, and give him an opportunity and and I really like that as well that you know Atpom's looking at his teammates and, and wanting them to score as well as himself but I think with Cameron Archer he hasn't scored since the the Sheffield United victory but I think he's he's changed the the dynamic of this team And he made a really good run uh, yesterday that unfortunately wasn't spotted. But he's just the type of striker that we need in this team and he will get the goals. I think he will continue to, or that they'll come back um, and he'll be on the score sheet again very soon. But his hard work is is not going unnoticed for me and I really, really wanted to put him in the present place uh, for that uh, this week. I'm sure there's just loads more options of praise in place picks as well. Mm. But I think for me, Cameron Archer definitely deserves a mention.
2: Yeah, and I feel like Archer's probably the only player I could play the the Akpom role. And you could like put him in there mm. and then you could put Force up top, Jones on the right, and Giles on the left. And I feel like that would really work. Um, you know, if you know, if if Akpom ever got injured, I think Danny, you mentioned it in our in our chat, right? You were saying like if yeah. Tuber got injured, um, who would you put in that position, mine would be Ramsey, but Tom, I'm going to ask you that question as well. Tom, who do you think you'd put in that position if, if Akpon was to be injured, but then also go into your present place afterwards, because
4: Uh, I'm excited to hear it. I I don't, I don't even want to think about Akpon being injured to be fair, but (laughs) 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 I I, I, I think Archer could do a a good job in that role. Um, There was a point yesterday. I can't remember who it was, but they were bigger than him. Not, that that's difficult with him being five foot eight um but (laughs) he was chasing it down the left-hand side in the first half so it would have been closest to the east and i can't remember who it was who was who who was after him for that but he he got the got the wrong side of them and pretty much held the ball up and and muscled them off the ball and for someone of his stature uh five foot eight and you know He's got such a, a good centre of gravity and, 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 and strength there to, to hold the ball up, so I, I think that will contribute into that, um, that Akpom role should he ever be injured. And I, I definitely uh, do think that he went a bit under the radar yesterday um, just because he didn't score. I, I think Akpom and, and Ramsey are going to get most of the plaudits, but. You, you know, you, you can look back at those goals, and and you can see Cameron Archer in the build up for for most of them. So, um, yeah, he de- definitely uh, deserves credit for yesterday. For me, I think it's just like Dana said, said there. There's so many options Don that you can um, you can put for the the praise in place this week. I think the two I have to go with, although I've just said they're going to be receiving most of the plaudits, are Aaron Ramsey and and Chuba Rackpom. Chuba I think deserves it just for for finally breaking that twenty goal a season uh, landmark that we've been looking for from every striker since Bernie Slaven and Aaron Ramsey. Just a, a great game yesterday. I think since he's since he's came into the team, which I, I think was only Chef United, wasn't it? Um, mm. Yeah. And it was only like a surprise inclusion there, and came off off the off the bench. So it's only really been a short period of time, but he has been playing well. And 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 yesterday, um, like I say, with with him and McGree both playing in that that free roaming uh, attacking midfield role, he he was able to do some great stuff with the ball. And I, I think he's another one where you you look at him. He's, he's obviously getting back to match fitness, um, although he might already be there. Um, but we're getting back to back to form after his injury, and you can tell he's just getting better and more confident every game. So definitely de- deserves credit and there being the the present place for yesterday.
2: Yeah, um, for me, I'm gonna go. Obviously, Akpom deserves to, to be mentioned, but I'm going to go Ryan Giles. Um, his mm. his crosses yesterday. I mean, like he just, there's gonna be a lot of fans who are like, I oh, didn't beat his first man in the first half, but that second half, good grief, those that ball uh, for the for the third one where he just plays it right across the box in the corridor of uncertainty, um, and we get in the end of it is just amazing, and then the second one was really good to pull it back for for Aaron, Aaron Ramsey. Just it's just a sister, it's amazing. Like it's just the amount of chances that he creates with his left foot. I've just never seen it before from a from a, a re, from a left back in the championship. And he's just a very, very talented boy. And I will love if Bora signed him on a permanent deal. So please get promoted, Bora, and stay in the or if we don't get promoted, please stay up Wolves, we'll which I think you are now. Um and we will take him off your hands. Uh because he is great. Um, but yeah, guys, let's look ahead to Swansea now because Bora traveled to the Swansea.com stadium very creative and original um um to to face you guessed it Swansea um so we spoke to uh Luke from the Swancast podcast to find out a little bit more and just before we go to it we'll leave you with the warm hands and soothing sounds because he's got a very soothing voice to Luke um so enjoy this uh opposition preview
3: Hi guys, it's Luke from Cast here. Thanks for having me back on the Borough Breakdown Podcast. Going to talk a little bit about Swansea's season so far. Probably the complete opposite of how your season's going. I can see you're doing very well, especially since the manager change. Looking a very strong contender now for the playoffs, so even perhaps you could push further. We'll see. Um, all I can say is best of luck for you going forward. And we're a little bit scared, I think, after seeing your result against Reading. 5-0 win. Doesn't look like a good match for us right now because we are on the other end of the spectrum where the manager is perhaps under a bit of pressure. So what it looked like could have been a promising season seasons for Swansea has kind of fallen off the rails a little bit and Russell Martin is under huge pressure. Very thin squad, no depth. There's, there's basically the first team and a couple of players that can rotate in and that's about it. We had no signings in January, which was very poor with some of the first team players leaving as well. A couple of lone players... Um, that got recalled and then Michael Fermi obviously went to Burnley was the big transfer and at the moment we seem to not be able to win a game to save our lives so very very struggling and that has been made known by the fans as well who are very not happy with the current situation at the club and that's that's kind of pointed at the owners and the manager at the same time people are frustrated with a lot of aspects of what is going on at the moment. Different conversation, though, because it's not necessarily all Russell Martin's fault. You could argue that he hasn't been backed the way that he should have been or has been told he should, he would have been. And But at the same time, there's a little bit of stubbornness and things are not working. He's not he's not making the changes perhaps needed to get anything out to the team at the moment. So we have naturally been slipping down the table, I think, since we beat Cardiff, our big rivals, back in October, where we were maybe fourth in the league, looking at knocking on the door of the guys ahead even... It's all fallen apart i think we've maybe only had like four or five wins since that that time we went on a really barren run afterwards and it's just quite poor all round right now for us so going into this game you notice our first team goalkeeper Stephen bend injured we've had andy fisher come in who actually was signed by russell martin last year to be first team goalkeeper but has struggled he's been making quite a few mistakes and it's not necessarily i think it's hard to say if it's him as a goalkeeper or his confidence. I think the fans are massively on his back. They really don't want to see him in the goals. And all you need to do is look at the highlights against Luton to see the clang he dropped there. That cost us a point where we went down 1-0. Dropping a low cross basically resulting in a tap-in for the Luton player. Our defence is very leaky. I think we've conceded the most goals in the league, or we had last week when I checked anyway. Um, we tend to be able to score quite a few, but that's not... There haven't been as many goals recently as there was earlier in the season. Last time in checked, we believe sixth in the league for goals scored. But again, the bad defence being the most leaky defence in the league is a problem. So when you go put five past red in, I think maybe you can come and play us with a bit of excitement. If you can score goals that easily, then yeah, our defence is probably going to give you a couple. Playing at home as well, it's a little bit of a toxic atmosphere at the moment for all the reasons I've mentioned above. A lot of fans are done with Russell Martin when him gone, want someone else to come in. Other fans then are frustrated at the owners. Either way, it results in a toxic atmosphere towards the players. And booing a half-time, booing a full-time, getting a bit agitated when the ball's not going forward if we're behind if we're just keeping the ball, which is our style of play. People are booing and not being happy, but the fact that we're not being more direct and trying to score goals, but it is the style of play that Russell Martin wants to do, so there's a conflict there. That's all affecting the confidence of the players, and that is very, very visual to watch on the pitch and the way that we are playing at the moment. Not sure what's going on with Matt Grimes, but he wasn't in the squad for the Luton match, I'm assuming he's injured, I haven't seen anything to suggest to how long he might be out for, but if he's not there against you guys massive miss for us because he's what keeps us ticking and I'd be a little bit concerned for the Spartans against you if he doesn't return. If he does, hopefully we can make a game of it and not lose the match, but I'm not confident that I'm going to say Middlesbrough to win 3-1. Thanks for having me on again. i would be more than happy to speak to you in the future, but maybe you'll be in the Premier League next year, so I won't be doing voice notes for you. So good luck for the rest of the
0: season and catch up with you again.
1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com cheers
2: for that um luke and i told you really soothing voice. i really enjoyed that <laughs> um but yeah let's let's chat out swansea because um, Luke wasn't particularly happy with how they've been playing this season and also he mentioned around, like, the worst de- worst defence in the league they do have the second lowest for clean sheets with six um, and they've lost five of the last seven and three wins in the last 21 um, in terms of like the highest uh, football ratings Matt Grimes does that top that list with Ryan Manning um, and Joe And uh, Matt Grimes is a fantastic footballer by the way I I'm, I'm, will not be surprised if he's in the Premier League very soon um, I really enjoy him him um but how we feel about this game guys because it hasn't been in the the most um shall we say lucky grounds uh for Bora, um over the years so then how you feel about it
5: yeah i just took a, a little trip in my time machine to the last time that Bora beat swansea at swansea and get this I Got a Feeling was number one in the American <laughs> music charts. Chinchi Strider took top spot in the UK top 40. God. Cascada, Evacuate yeah. the Dance Floor, was in the top 10.
2: What a tune. At- <laughs> I
5: pop. know, yeah.
2: Cascada, you know. Uh, you love a bit of Cascada.
5: <laughs> I had not long celebrated my 10th birthday, Gordon Brown was the UK Prime Minister and Freddo's were probably about five pence. But what hasn't changed since, I found an article in the Daily Mail, The headline. It said, Crystal Palace boss Neil Warnock furious as good goal disallowed and Nicky Maynard, God, that's a name, smashes late Bristol City winner. So some things really don't change. But the last time that Borough beat Swansea at Swansea was the 15th of August, 2009. So... Based on that, I'm a little bit nervous, but I I was speaking to to Neil Madison uh, leaving the Riverside yesterday, and he said it's going to be a a matchup between two sides that want to play football and essentially what will decide the game is who has the best quality. And you have to say on paper. And in... You know, everything else, you would say that Middlesbrough have the the best quality there. So I should probably believe. Um, but there's certain hoodoos that we need to break. And in the promotion season on Dry Talker Anchor, we did break a few. I was at one of them at Chef Wednesday. There was another one at Nottingham Forest. There's Ipswich. another one that we have to conquer. Yeah, Ipswich as well. Um, the, the David Nugent match. We have to conquer another one um, ourselves under Michael Carrick on Saturday. So, yeah toxicity at Swansea hopefully we can take advantage of that and get the get the three points
2: and there's some really good uh things that you mentioned there Dale some absolute great songs I remember when I got a feeling used to play every single game at the borough um mm-hmm. win lose or draw it was on um to- <laughs> Tom, how have you got a feeling about the game
4: <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're gonna win now. um was <laughs> not I w I wasn't I wasn't feeling like that when I was hearing the uh, the Swansea stats where it's like what uh, three wins in the last twenty-one and uh, losing five out of the last seven. But I think the fact that we haven't won there since two thousand and nine balances that out. Um so I reckon we're gonna we're gonna go there, we're gonna turn them over three nil.
2: Oh god, so I still laugh at Mill Jock uh, But the 3-0... <laughs> the Swansea. <laughs> Um so it's the Reno borough sorry not Swansea. um <laughs> also my say. eyes are water because i'm just full of coal as well so i'm a killer. but anyway
5: i'm surprised you haven't you haven't done your little welsh accent that you did last time
2: i <sighs> can't do it can't do it you know let's just and luke just talk it's like put it would put mine to shame you know i just can't do it um <laughs> But yeah, Dan, have you got a prediction at all? I mean, you do love a prediction once in a while. Um, please don't curse <laughs> us, but go for it.
5: I'm thinking a Davy Mall 3 1 win for the Mighty
2: Borough. Davy Mall hat trick? Is that what you're thinking? Mm-hmm. Dad, your dad yeah. playing up front, target man. Love <laughs> yeah. out like that. Um, so 3 0, 3 1. Uh I would take a two-nil. I'd take two nil zip. And that would be very, very nice. Um we need to win, don't we really? I think it's a difficult place. You know, I think if we get the first goal and it's early, like say like ten to fifteen minutes in, you get a bit on t- you on top of the game, you start start turning a bit toxic, and that's where like you want it want us to be. The longer we leave it nil-nil, I'd be more and more worried. Um, about the game but guys um, that's it thank you very much for joining me as always, and to listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for watching and listen to us as well. If you could give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider, subscribe to us on YouTube and do all of that engagement stuff because that helps us get found and other Borough fans find us. And also we get chatted too, which is really cool. But Borough make the Royals in Smeet, and now we have to aim to cause a Russell in Swansea. This has been the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and that was all you borrow a day chatter in a pod.